Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. How's everyone doing this morning? All right, good. We got a lot going on this morning. I'm excited to be with you. And just one note on Operation Christmas Child. This is actually very close to my heart. Um, I had the opportunity a few years ago to go down to Columbia, and I actually got to hand out these boxes to schools and to kids uh, all over a couple of areas called Cartagena uh, and then in Bogota as well. And so I got to see firsthand uh, what, what this is all about, and I got to go to a couple different schools in some very impoverished neighborhoods. And we're talking about neighborhoods where kids have never received gifts. They've never received anything. And uh, we got to sit there with the school. I got to participate. We got, I mean, they put all the boxes, they stack them up, and they do like a whole school assembly. And, um, and the incredible thing is they present the gospel. Uh, it's called The Greatest Journey, and they tell the story of the gospel, and they, they say, like, there's people around the world who love Jesus and who love you. And so they went, and they got all of these things for you, and then they pull the sheet off, and I, you've never seen kids scream like more than, than you've ever seen. I mean, it, I was crying. I don't cry. I was like, shut up, you're crying, right? Uh, these kids spit in my face, that's why I'm crying, right? But like, it's unbelievable. And the way that God works through this is so cool. We were there, and um, there was this family. This is a story we were told while we were there. Um, they had a little girl who needed um, orthotics in her, in her shoes. And um, this family... Uh, felt led by the Lord to buy these orthotics and put them in her box. And um, they were her right size. They were exactly what she needed. And, and they put them in her box, and, and this was life-changing. And you can, you can say, oh, that's a coincidence that someone from Ohio bought something for someone in Zimbabwe, and they just knew the size, and they knew exactly what she needed, and she just happened to get the box. <laughs> you have more faith than me, okay? Like, you really do, because... That, to me, is a God moment. And uh, I am so excited to participate in this and just know they do an incredible job around the world giving these kids toys and throw cool things in there. Not, like, don't, you know, I mean, you could put some socks and stuff like that in there, okay? But like buy them a soccer ball or buy them a football or whatever you need to do. I'm telling you, it really does make a difference, and I'm excited to participate in that. And even last night was great. Uh, we had, I mean, I don't know. I asked Cody, how many do we have? He said hundreds. So we probably had two to three hundred people here last night, part of Trunk or Treat. We got to meet the community. We got to like, just do all kinds of cool things. And so thank you for your giving. Uh, we were able to rent a video game truck and kids were in there playing video games and we rented a bounce house and all kinds of things. And that's all possible with your giving so that we can bring a little bit of joy and excitement to the neighborhood and be able to serve them and hopefully introduce them to the gospel. And so that was an incredible night. But Yesterday, um, you know, getting ready for trunk or treat, we realized we didn't have any candy, right? And that's like not good. Like we had no candy. So Kelsey called me. Uh, I had just been helping somebody move in the morning. And so um, Kelsey called me and was like, hey, can you grab some candy? And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do I go for that? And she's like, Publix. I was like, oh, I love Publix. Like, I love it. Right? We lived in Virginia for years and there was Kroger's. And Kroger ain't got nothing on Publix, okay? And so uh, Publix, like, literally, we w I went there, and I am, like, a very direct, like, I like to go into the store and get what I want, 
right? Unless Kelsey sends me grocery shopping, it can get a little dangerous. If I go grocery shopping, I'm very, a very interested person. And so I'm like, oh, that sauce looks nice. Oh, that looks good, right? I've never tried that before. Like literally yesterday, I bought horseradish bread and butter pickles from Boar's Head. I was like, hey, you never know until you try it. She's like, why'd you buy pickles? I was like, I don't know. Maybe your mom will like this, right? And so uh, I actually texted my mother-in-law, hey, try these when you come over next time. Um, but you know, when you're there, I don't really know the store very well. I honestly don't. I don't go, because I'll buy bread and butter pickles with horseradish. Like, I don't go to the store a lot. And so when I get there, I try to look around, and then I start to get desperate, because nothing makes sense to me. I don't know where things are. And so I'll just start asking people in the store, hey, you look like you know what you're doing. Do you know where this is? And they're like, I don't, what? Like, I'll just ask anybody. I'll ask you, hey, do you know where this is? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Asking you will find. So I ask a lot, right? And so, but, 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 you, but you have to get to this idea in this place. Like, you have to find the right person. And I've learned the secret to Publix. It's a very important person or group of people at Publix. They're the people who stock everything. If you find the stock person, you know where you're going, right? Like, and if you find, like, they have the apron on or whatever, and then, you, you know, they're just there, and they're putting stuff away like a ninja, right? And so if you ask them, you're like, hey, where's this? They're like, and it's like a Rolodex in their brain. Their eyes flutter a little bit, and they're like, aisle three, right? <laughs> Down on the right, kind of eye level, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. And then this is what they do. They always ask this, this magical question because they can tell when I get up to them, they see lost, they see fear, they see worry, and they always ask this magical, magical question. They say, what are you looking for? Like, it's before I even get it out. What are you looking for? I'm like, is it on my face? And like, yeah, it is. What are you looking for? And I think, you know, that's so true for so many of us. We're probably walking through this life and the question I would ask all of us is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for in this life? And, and you know, for so many of us in our desperation, we kind of get like me in the grocery store, we'll ask anybody. And we're, but we're talking about like the big questions of life, the, the hard things of life. And, and we're going to go to TikTok or Instagram or we're going to Google what's the meaning of life. And Google's like, money. I don't know. Like, that's our mission in life. And so you realize like, just like you have to find that stock person in life, if you're looking for something, if you get to the right person, you'll get to the right answer. And you know what else I love about Publix? Their customer service is incredible. But here's what I really love. They don't just go through their Rolodex and their eyes flutter and they go, you know, aisle three on the right, kind of high, next to a red box, in between the, that and a purple box, you'll find what you're looking for. And I'm like, okay. They, they always do this. You know what? Follow me and I'll take you right there. So what are you looking for? in this life? What are you looking for right now? What answers are you trying to find? See, I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're not following the right person, you won't get to the right answer. And so today we're going to be looking at this idea because I think there's really three questions that all of humanity is dealing with. And let me just tell you something like science is the new religion. I am not anti-science. I like science. Science made this. Science made this. Science made you know, like the printing press made that possible, right? Like, not, it didn't make the Bible, but it made the printing press, right? Some of you are like, heresy, right? And so, <laughs> but when you get through this idea, I love science. 
Science has done some incredible things for me. But there's certain questions that science can't answer. And a lot of us are trying to follow science in order to get answers about who we are, why we exist, all of these different things. And it doesn't have any answers. See, science can tell you, like, what something is, but it can't tell you why something's there. Because only the creator of something can truly tell you what its purpose is. Right? I can describe what a hammer is. I can look at it. I can weigh it. I can do all these observations, but I can't tell you its purpose. But the creator of it can tell you. This hammer is meant to hit that nail into that board. That's what creators do. They give purpose. And I think there's these three questions we're all asking, and they really revolve around purpose and future, right? Why am I here? Like, why do I exist in this world? Why do I exist here right now? What is my purpose for being? Is it just to be alive? But how many of us have struggled with purpose in our life? How many of us are struggling to find that right now? Or what about this? Is, is there anything after this life? What's my purpose and what am I working towards? Is there anything after this? And if there is anything after this life, how do I actually get there? How do I actually find it? What do I, what do I actually do? And so this morning as we jump into the chosen, we're going to see two different people today and we're going to be in John chapter 3 mainly. So if you have a Bible, you can go there right now. Uh, and we'll be in Mark chapter 2 as well, but just stick with John chapter 3. But we're going to see Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is this teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee, and so he's an expert in religion. He has spent his whole life trying to figure this God thing out. But he has some questions. He has this I, I, I encounter with Jesus, and Jesus is causing him to ask some questions in his life. But not only that, we're then going to go see Matthew. And Matthew's this incredible character in the Bible that I'm going to get into a lot more. I think a lot of us don't really maybe understand what's going on around Matthew and his life. But as we get ready to start this morning, I'm going to ask you just to ponder one question. Maybe God will give you an answer today. What are you looking for? Are you looking for peace, comfort, relief from pain? Are you looking for forgiveness? Are you looking for answers? Are you looking for your future? What are you looking for this morning? A lot of us came in here with some questions. Those questions that are probably perplexing you the most are the ones you wake up with at 2.30 in the morning. Mine this morning was, did I lock my car? That was my question this morning. <laughs> and so, whatever question the Lord has put on your heart today, I pray that you're going to find your answer this morning. And if you don't get the exact answer, at least you'll know who you need to follow to get right where you need to be. So check out this first clip as we prepare for this morning. Welcome, Nicodemus. Don't be alarmed. He's waiting for you. I asked the owner of this house for more lanterns, but he said they would draw attention. Yes, I imagine they would. The human eye is drawn to light. We can't help it. It just happens. There are many things we are drawn to without our thinking. 
or our ability to explain why. Thank you for agreeing to meet. Thank you for trying to help Mary when you did. <sighs> it was no help. You were meant to be there. Me? So I could fail miserably at an exorcism in the Red Quarter? <laughs> if you had not been there that day, would you be on this roof tonight? I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. The Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of 
what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So this story comes right out of the Gospel of John, and if you've been with us a little bit in this series, we've talked to you guys about the synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and those, those Gospels are very similar in their content and, and how they work. And then we have the Gospel of John, which is nearly 90% original material. It's 90% unique material, and this story finds itself here in the Gospel of John. Let me just tell you, like, we could probably do a whole month sermon and series on just this passage of all the things that are happening in here today. But I'm going to focus on one thing today as we go into the, the story. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to John chapter 3. If you don't, no worries. It's on the screens, or you can open it up on your device but we believe in the Word of God here. We believe it's powerful, and so I want you to see it with your own eyes, not just hear me say it. So look at what John chapter 3 says. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. What does this mean? Nicodemus was a teacher of teachers. He was a religious expert of the day. He had dedicated his entire life to knowing God, to understanding God, to, to really seeing who God is. And I just want to say this. Some of us can know God and miss God. Okay, some of us can know God and miss God in our life. And Nicodemus, well, I want to give him credit, not because it's like, you're a religious guy and you didn't get this. Nicodemus is seeking the truth. Nicodemus is trying to figure this out. And I want you to notice that in that clip and in this passage, Jesus never rebukes Nicodemus for not knowing. Jesus begins to speak to and help Nicodemus understand. See, some of us are so afraid to go to God sometimes, we feel like we're going to be rebuked because we don't understand. But God wants you to seek understanding. God wants you to know what's going on. So he was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher that comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. I want you to notice something that happens really cool here. Nicodemus puts Jesus and him on equal plane. I'm a teacher, you're a teacher. When he calls him rabbi or a teacher, he says, look, we recognize you're this teacher from God. We, we recognize that God is obviously with you, and this is this old under. Old Testament understanding that when you had a special purpose in life, the Holy Spirit would rest upon you for the task. 
We understand now in the New Testament that not only does the Holy Spirit rest upon you, but when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, he resides in you, right? And so he says, I recognize the Spirit of God is upon you and God is with you because what you're doing can't be done unless God is with them. But notice what Nicodemus says. You and I, like we're both teachers. We're equal playing field. I want you to notice something. Sometimes you can know God and not recognize God. I mean, right? He's an expert at the Old Testament, all of which testified to who Jesus was, and he wasn't quite recognizing him. He calls him rabbi and not Lord. I wonder for how many of us in parts of our life we're calling Jesus teacher and not Lord. Hey, you're a teacher. You're great. I recognize there's great things about you, but I'm going to do this without you. I can't. I don't know if I can trust you yet. See, because not only does Jesus need to be your Savior, He needs to be your Lord. And so as this story continues, He says, look, we understand this. And Jesus answered, and He says this phrase. You're going to see it a couple times in this passage. Truly, truly, I say to you. In the text, some, some translations say, verily, verily. What Jesus is saying and indicating here is, listen, listen. Listen, listen to what I'm going to say. You need to pay attention to the words that I'm about to bring to you. If we were like in the tweetable world, he'd be like, tweet this. This is a tweetable quote. You need to just get this out there. Facebook post it, okay? Like, this is going to be good. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is like, what? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Right over the head, right? How many times has God said something to you? You just didn't get it. And then, then something happens, and now you get it. Oh, that's what you meant. I got it. Okay. Don't, don't hate on Nicodemus. You got to be born again. He's taking it real literally. Like in the clip, he's like, I, I got to be born again to see the kingdom? I'm in trouble, Jesus. My mom died. How? Huh? And I'm old. How am I going to get back in the womb and be born again? This seems problematic. I don't know what to do. Jesus is like, yeah, okay. Just keep listening, okay? Keep hearing what I have to say. I'm, I'm helping you to understand some things, right? Can he enter a second time into his mother's wombs and be born? Jesus answered, hey, truly, truly, listen, listen. I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he goes, okay, let me like, I'm going to try to clarify this a little bit more. I'm going to try to bring, distill this down to you. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, like your mama, okay, is flesh. Your flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? He's not rebuking him. He's saying, you're the best of us. Like, you're the best of knowing who God is in this world. You're a Pharisee. You've spent your entire life studying this, and you don't get it? Like, he's like, this is foundational, basic Christianity. This is like the entryway. This isn't, this isn't like, the, this isn't like the, the top level tier of Christianity. This is the basement floor. 
This is the foundation of all of this. He says, you've spent your whole life studying me. And you don't get the basement floor level stuff. You don't get that. And I think what he's looking at is like, hey, you're the best of us. You should understand this stuff. And I think what that says to all of us is, is even if the best of us don't get it, then it's okay if you and I don't right now. It's okay. Even if you and I don't right now, it's okay. He says, well, you're, you're marveling at this. Are you a teacher of Israel yet? You do not understand these things? There it is. Listen, listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He, he, he goes right here and he begins to tell this story. And we're going to see later, we're going to continue in this passage later. He's going to give Nicodemus a story that he'd be really familiar with and say, I'm going to need you to understand this. So I'm going to go back and help you see this through a new context. I'm going to help you see this in a new way. But here's what I want us to really take away from this opening passage, this opening moment. Jesus wants you to bring your questions. Like Jesus doesn't rebuke Nicodemus. Jesus doesn't go after Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is the best of us. Like he's a Pharisee and he understands everything. And so many of us are afraid to ask God our questions because we're gonna, we think we're going to get a swift kick or a hit or a, a rebuke or anger. And notice that Jesus is so patient with Nicodemus' questions. You're a teacher of the law, and yet you do not understand the basement floor of Christianity. He goes, you're the best of us. You're the best of them. And you don't get it. But he doesn't say, like, dude, wake up. He's patient and kind and gracious with the people. But I want you to notice what else happens. See, some of us are afraid to ask our questions because of embarrassment. Do you notice when Jesus met Nicodemus? At night, when no one else could see, when no one else could, could, could see the embarrassment or see some of the things. Like Jesus even says, how's this all going over in the synagogue? Nicodemus like, not so good, dude. <laughs> like, you're changing things. And the reality is, is how many of us are afraid to ask God our questions because we're also afraid of the cultural pushback we're going to get. So we just don't ask. We just don't want to deal with it. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus was willing to meet Nicodemus in his fear. He was willing to meet Nicodemus in the secret place of his heart to ask the questions he really wanted to ask without fear of judgment or retribution from the culture. And I just want to tell you right now, Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at right now with the questions that you have. See, because Nicodemus recognized that God was with Jesus, but he didn't recognize that Jesus was God. He got part of the picture he got just part of it. And notice Jesus is like, why don't you see who I am? Like, how much more do I need to do? You watched me heal a paralyzed person last week. Like, what do you, what, what do you need? I forgave sin. That's me telling you I'm God because only God alone can forgive sin. Are you not getting this? No, he's like, okay, this is going to take time. And let me just tell you guys something. 
just because you believed in Jesus for salvation doesn't mean that understanding him all the time is going to be the easiest thing. We're trying to understand an infinitely good, holy, righteous, perfect, ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God through our minds. You're probably going to have some questions. And what this passage shows us is when you want to follow somebody, you're going to have to ask some questions. Just like I do to the stock boy at Publix. Like, I got to ask him the question, like, hey, where, what are you looking for? Can, uh, uh, can I ask you some questions? Here's what I'm looking for. But so many of us are asking the culture the question we should be asking God. We're bringing all of our questions to the culture and saying, hey, can you answer this? And the culture's like, not really. What, who am I? The culture says, make it up. Who do you want to be? Just make it up. Do you notice how hard it is and how lost people are when you're trying to give yourself your own purpose? Who am I? We don't know. Make it up. Jesus says, you're perfectly and wonderfully made. I knit you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I knew you and created you for a purpose. So you can try to make up your own calling and your own thing in life, but the reality is you're going to be super frustrated. Because you're probably going to want to make yourself in who you want to be, not who you actually are. And some of us need to find comfort in who we actually are and who Jesus actually made you to be. And the only way you're going to get to the truth is if you ask questions. That's why little kids are so good at it. They just keep asking, why, 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 why? Some of you just need to go to God right now and start asking some legitimate questions. But in order to follow someone or something, it all starts with a question. So what questions do you need to ask? What are you looking for? And so as we go into this next clip, we're going to jump into the story of Matthew. And when Matthew gets called in this moment, Matthew's going to begin to follow Jesus in this moment. Take a look at this clip. You see the Parthian foot races last night? Darius ran like a gazelle. Jews don't go to foot races. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races? You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. You notice what happens in that passage is actually remarkable. In the text we're going to read, Matthew's going to be referred to as Levi. And you're like, oh, there's a problem with the Bible. There's an error and a contradiction. No, Mark is writing and he's showing... Matthew's Hebrew name, Levi. His Greek name was Matthew. You're like, well, where else do we see this? Well, Peter, his name changes, and so does Paul. This is not uncommon. We're talking about the same guy. So before you freak out, that's all that this means, okay? Some people are like, oh, man, there's a contradiction in the Bible. I can't believe this whole thing. You know, you just a little bit of know-how gets you to where you need to be. So Mark chapter 2 is where Matthew or Levi is called in the Bible, and we're going to read this short passage In Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13, it says this, He went out beside, he, being Jesus, went out beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. Jesus is doing his thing. And when he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. Everyone say tax booth. No, get excited. Say tax booth. Some of you are all like, tax booth, there's nothing to be excited about. Let me tell you something. When you get the meaning of what the tax booth is saying here, you're going to be excited. And he said to him, follow me. And immediately, Levi, or Matthew, rose up and followed him. See, here's what I need you to understand. Like, when you're trying to find something, you're going to need to follow the right person to get to where you need to be. And in order to follow the right person to get to where you need to be, you're going to have to leave some things behind. Like if you're going to get to where you need to be in this life, you're going to have to leave some things behind. See, there's this reality of Matthew is sitting in his sin. That tax booth for Matthew represented the deepest, darkest part of his life. See, tax collectors were hated. 
tax collectors were not dealt with very well. In fact, you're going to see it multiple times in the Bible and in the New Testament. It says, why does he recline with sinners and tax collectors? There was this idea that like tax collectors were so bad that they had their own category, their own category of sin, their own category of issues. And what happens in the story is, is Jesus walks by the deepest identifier of Matthew's sin, and he calls him right out of his deepest, darkest sin. He calls him out of his sin directly. And here's what that means for you and me. I told you you'd be happy about the word tax booth because Jesus doesn't call you out of a lighter version of your sin. Jesus calls you out of the deepest, darkest part of it. Jesus didn't look at Matthew and go, hey, get out of there, quit that first, let's clean that mess up, and then come follow me. Jesus sees Matthew in what is identified as his sin and goes, hey, come follow me. Matthew, I'm going to call you by name, not what you've done, not tax collector. I'm not going to call you by your sin. I'm going to call you by name. And I'm going to call you out of the worst thing you've done and you are currently doing. See, tax collectors were, were not just bad because what they would do is to collect taxes from Rome for Rome, and then they'd add something on top for themselves. So what does that mean? They basically pillaged and robbed their own people who were already being taxed to death by Rome, and they were adding on, and they were taking things for themselves, and they were, they were basically taking from poor people. They were despised. They're the worst. And did you notice what Peter said in that story? Not only are you going to have to leave some things behind, and for you and I, when we ask our questions, we need to be able to leave behind our preconceived notions. We're going to need to be able to leave behind some of the things that we already understand to be true. And in order to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave your past behind. You're going to have to allow him to call you out of the worst of you. See, in this story and what we're seeing today is not only did Jesus talk to the best of us, but Matthew, he talked to the worst of us. He called the worst of sinners and those who were supposed to be the best. In God's distinction, there is no difference. And there's not a sin or thing too deep in your life that he can't call you out of. This was the worst thing you could do in the day. And he calls him right out of it. That's good news for you and I, is it not? That's good news for us that even as you're trying to follow Jesus and figure out who he is, he's going to call you out of the worst of you. He doesn't even bat an eye. And the world's going to say, we're going to see in the passage as it continues, the world doesn't understand it. And Jesus says something to Peter in this story. Peter looks at him and goes, don't you know who he is? Don't you know what he does and who he is and all the bad things that have happened to him? Don't you know how, almost how embarrassing it will be that he's part of our crew? And I love what Jesus says, and it's the next point in our message. Get used to different. Get used to different. The kingdom that I'm coming to establish is not what you're expecting. The people I've come to rescue aren't like what you think they are. Look at what Jesus says in the passage. Mark 2, 15. And as he reclined at the table in the house... Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Notice what it says. Tax collectors and sinners. And the scribes and Pharisees, the experts, the best of us, they had some questions. They, they look at it and said, when they saw that he was eating with, there's the words again, sinners and tax collectors, the worst of us. They said to his disciples, 
why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, oh, doesn't even let the disciples answer. I need you to understand something. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What Jesus is saying is like, hey, I'm here to heal people, and people who aren't sick have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick have real need of me. Here's what they don't get, because they haven't asked the right question. They should have said, so who's sick? And Jesus would say, all of you, even the best of you, even the, the ones who know the most about me and who have spent their life studying me are sick, right? Because we see even in the best of them don't recognize who God is. They don't recognize who Jesus is. And so Jesus is saying, even the best of you need to get used to different because I did not come to save good people. I came to save dead people and make them alive and make them not just good, but perfect in me. See, we got to get used to different. And when we're going to ask some questions and we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to let some things go and leave them behind. But we're going to have to get used to different because here's what happens. I want you to notice like in that story, the world, which is the centurion soldiers, like why would you leave? You have it better than any other Jewish person in this city because of what you're doing. Why would you leave? See, the world goes, aren't you just comfortable in your sin? It's really nice. It's not so bad. You have a nice house. But Matthew is totally distraught in his soul because he knows he's not where he should be. He says, what else is someone like you going to do? See, the world's going to make you feel like you have no choice right now. So as you begin to ask these questions and you begin to follow Jesus, the world's going to go, don't, know, don't ask that. That's going to get uncomfortable. Don't ask that. He might not give you the answer you want to hear. Don't ask that. It's going to be too hard. Don't ask that. You're too filthy and you're too dirty. Don't ask that. Your sin is too great. Don't ask that. Aren't you comfortable where you are? Because some of us are very comfortable in our mess. Right? Like the mess that you live in now is for some of us less scary than the rejoicing that we could be living in. Because we just don't know how to get there. And so you'll sit in your tax collector booth and you're not going to ask any questions because you're afraid of what might happen that becoming, going from unholy to righteous might be really hard. And let me just tell you something. It is hard, but we have a good God who makes it easier. And let me just tell you something. I don't know great things that come in life that don't come through hard situations. Think about like anyone who has kids, childbirth, really hard really hard. I don't know. I've never had a baby, but I've watched it happen four times. Really hard. It looks really hard. You know what's crazy about really hard things? When we were, had our first baby, her name's Piper. She's nine now. I remember Kelsey. She was laboring so hard. She was so uncomfortable. It's before she got her epidural. It's the, she's the only baby that, that Kelsey actually got an epidural. Kelsey had all the other babies naturally. That's not to be like, I'm just telling you my wife is tough as nails, okay? And so, if you had epidural, it doesn't mean you're not tough. I'm just like really impressed with Kelsey. And so when she didn't have her epidural, she looked at me during, during this and she said, hey, like she's crying and she, she's like, hey, I just want to let you know this might be our last baby. And I was like, okay, this is like a serious conversation that maybe now's not the time to have it. 
But I just looked at her and I was like, okay, yeah, this is the last one. This is the last one. No problem. No problem. And she's like, I can't, I can't do this again, Blake. And I was like, me neither. Okay. Like, okay, let's not do this. And then they gave her the epidural. She slept. We had, we had the baby. Piper's born. And as soon as she held Piper, she looked at me and she said, I would do this again tomorrow. Like literally. And I was like, what just happened? Because right? I was like, you were just telling me 10 minutes ago, like, we, this is our last baby. And I'm mentally preparing for like, okay, this is it. I hope it's a good one, right? Like, and then she goes through the pain and hardness, but finds the joy at the end of it and goes, I'd do it again. And see, some of us are so afraid to go through the hard thing to get to the good thing. But let me just tell you something. You got to get used to different. And see, what religion is going to tell you is, is you got to make yourself acceptable to get to God. You know, we, we have this like phrase in our culture. See, we're used to unperfect things, imperfect things. We always say, oh, it's good enough for government work, right? Anyone ever heard that? Oh, it's good enough for government work. We're used to acceptable. Jesus doesn't want to make you acceptable. And you're like, heresy. No, listen, he doesn't want to make you acceptable. He wants to make you perfect and pleasing and then you're acceptable. See, Jesus just didn't come to do government work. Oh, that could be another sermon, couldn't it? Right? And so <laughs> Jesus just didn't come to do government work. He just didn't come to do just enough. Jesus came to do it perfectly. And he'll perfectly rescue you out of that tax collector's booth. You're just going to get have to get used to different. And so let me ask you, like right now, what, what's holding you back? See, I'm just going to help all of us here. See, true questions come from the heart. And when you ask a true question, God is totally fine with it. If you're really seeking and asking with genuineness, that's good and pleasing to the Lord. You're seeking him. So here's what Jesus doesn't want. He doesn't want your religion. He, he, he doesn't want your perfection. He doesn't want all of your good works. He doesn't want your behavior. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your things. He doesn't want your talent. And he doesn't want your relationships. It's not what he's asking for. There's one thing that Jesus is asking for. He's asking for your heart. As messed up and imperfect as it is, he wants your heart. He wants you. The genuineness of who you are. And so as we get ready to wrap up with this last point, we're going to go back into the story of Nicodemus because we're going to see something that's so important when you're following someone and you're trying to find something. There's one essential element to all of this. Check this out. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin from spiritual death. God loves the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, 
But whoever does not believe... ...stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? When I met Lilith, Mary, that day... I told my wife and my students I said she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her. Healed. And here you are. The healer. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me. See more. Follow you. Join me and my students. In two days' time, we leave Capernaum. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. But I, I, I can't. You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. <laughs> I understand. But the invitation is still open. The invitation to what exactly? <laughs> to lead a nomadic life, to, to give up who I am. It's true. There is a lot you would give up. But what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter at dawn. Kingdom of God really coming? What does your heart tell you? My heart is swollen with fear and wonder. It can tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. really simple but really hard like the last part of all of this is who are you following and notice even Nicodemus says like I'm gonna have to give up part of who I am 
And Jesus says, no, it's not really who you are. You're going to find who you're actually meant to be. And so in this story, we saw this. And I remember I told you that Nicodemus had some questions and he keeps asking and things keep going over his head. And so Jesus graciously goes, I know a story that might help you understand this. It comes from Numbers chapter 21. See, Israel had sinned against God, and so these serpents bite the Israelites, and they're poisonous. And the Bible says that God tells Moses to put a serpent on a pole, and that it will be lifted high, and anyone who looks to that pole will be rescued, will be saved. And look at what the Bible says. It says, verse 14 in John chapter 3, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Immediately, this expert would go back to the story. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. And then possibly now comes the two most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life, the best of us or the worst of us, whoever. For God did not come, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he might, that the world might be saved through him. See, as John comes up and we get ready to end this morning, we all have a decision to make. That's what following means. There has to be a point of your life where you make the decision to leave some things behind, to get used to different, and you're going to have to bring some questions, but you're just going to have to make a decision indecision is a decision, okay? It's a yes or no. And so we might have all of these questions that we're bringing to God, and he's saying, bring your questions. With a genuine heart, you're seeking me, bring any question you have. There is no dumb question with genuineness. Bring your questions to me, and I will show you, and I will answer you, and I will give you ways to help you understand this. But see, for you and I right now, there's only one question that we need to answer. One question. He can answer every other question, but there's one question that you and I need to answer. Who is Jesus to you? It's, there's three possibilities. Liar, lunatic, Lord. He's either lied about who he is He's a lunatic and a crazy guy walking around in the wilderness of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, or he is who exactly who he said he is. He is Lord. My question to you today is, what are you trying to find? Have you gone to the right person? See, when you get to the right person, he'll take you to the right answer. But it's going to mean you're going to have to ask some questions. You're going to have to leave some things behind. And that might be the best thing that ever happens to you. Because who you are right now isn't who you're meant to be. He's got work still to do in our lives, me included. And you're going to have to get used to different. But all of it starts with the answering of one question. Who is Jesus to you? Today. Even right now, as John gets ready to play... You know, for some of us in this room, you're, you're thinking, I'm a Christian. What, like, why this message for me? He might be your Savior, but is he your Lord? Who is Jesus to you? It has to be both. He's my Lord and my Savior.
You know, who is Jesus to you right now in your life? You say, I'm saved. I believed in Jesus. I believe in this moment. I believe in all these things. He's saved me, but is he Lord? He's got to take you somewhere else. He accepts you right where you are, but he's going to take you somewhere else. And so what are you looking for in your life? What about that relationship or that job or, or that happiness or that peace? Are you looking to everything else in the world to give you the answer? Or do you just need to ask him? And you're afraid to ask him because he might make you leave some stuff behind. Because we get used to our hurt and we get used to our sin. We get comfortable in our mess. And Jesus says, I didn't make you for that mess. I want to take you out of it. But you're going to have to leave it behind. And I'm going to do some things that you're not expecting, but you better get used to different. And so this morning, as we respond, who is Jesus to you? He's not just your Savior. He didn't just come to save you for eternity. He came to rescue this life as well. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. Are you living that abundant life right now? Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.